most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. Tuesday, June 20th, 2023, the 881st day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month, and in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to this podcast a couple days later for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. Now, with all of that in mind, with all of the locations in mind where you could send someone to find my content or my show, I have said in the past, and this is getting to something, don't worry, I'm not just going to continue that part of the marketing intro for the rest of the show, promise. But when you are introducing someone to this show and to the things that I do, I've said this before on the podcast, I've said this before on social media, etc. When you're going to introduce someone new to this podcast, the best thing to do is figure out what the last thing they woke up to was. Like if they just figured out that the vaccines are bad, well, then you got to start them back a while, like two years ago, so that they can hear someone talking about it back then and understand that that person was correct and is correct now. Then rather than them feeling a little bit stupid, a little bit behind the times for listening to a current episode and thinking, oh, he's going to be wrong about the future again. He doesn't know what he's talking about. All of this stuff sounds crazy. You start him back then and they say, oh, he knew the thing that I just found out two years before I did. <laughs> that kind of matters. I could use that sort of information in my life. I actually would like to make good decisions starting now and thinking about how those decisions might turn out in the future is a wise part of that process. Same thing, by the way, with the very violent insurrection. If they just got to the point where they were able to admit that that wasn't a very violent insurrection and that Trump supporters weren't trying to overthrow the government, then you can start them two years ago, two plus years ago, 
and they'll realize that people knew about it back then. If they just figured out from the New York Times article a week or so ago that those Nazis in Ukraine really are Nazis in Ukraine, if they just realize that this whole Ukraine-Russia thing, there's something a little off about it. Maybe I shouldn't have hung a Ukraine flag from my house. If they're just having those thoughts right now, you just take them back to the end of February, the beginning of March 2022, and they will see, oh, there really were people in the world who were talking about these things exactly as they've turned out now. And if I was listening to these people instead of other people, I wouldn't have made such terrible decisions. I wouldn't have left a year-long trail on social media of me actively supporting Nazis and calling my fellow American citizens who were right about the whole thing Putin's puppets. Perhaps I wouldn't have promoted the extension of a war or a conflict or whatever it is that has cost hundreds of thousands of human lives. I wouldn't have that sort of thing on my conscience. Now, if you send them back far enough, you send them back into 2021 or 2020, then you would have heard me doing a slightly different version of this show that I called High Noon. And often on High Noon, I would introduce the show by congratulating all of the communists out there for putting us in this situation, for being absolutely wrong in just absurd ways about everything COVID and supporting the regime throughout COVID, thrusting COVID upon us in a very real way. Our response to COVID itself was the pandemic, if there was any pandemic at all. We could have just ignored the entire thing. Society wouldn't have fallen apart, and no one would be any different. Instead, people pretended that we were all going to die and that we must hide from an aerosolized viral particle. That if any of it at all is to be believed, kills at a rate of one out of every thousand people who gets it. And all of the people who die from it are over 70 years old and have an average of four comorbidities, but also the tests don't work. So you got that whole problem there. But people went along with it and people still believe a lot of that stuff now. And they went along with covering up the election fraud, the stolen election, ushering in mail-in ballots, changing laws in states all across the country to make sure that Donald Trump would be gone. That bad, bad man has to go. After that, everything is going to return to normal. We're going to have a return to decency with Joe Biden. The adults will be back in the room. We're going to hire people who have only gone to the best universities. We're going to get all the people with the right views on every social issue. We're going to diversify them by skin color. We're going to get as many women as we can, and we'll even have some theys and thems on board, and everything is going to be perfect. Now, you see, all of that was absolutely horrid decision-making, the kind that serious adults should never make. They watched things happen on TV, and they assured themselves that the TV would not lie to them about something so important as a pandemic or about something so important as a stolen election. The TV has no choice at that point but to tell the truth, because if they were lying, everybody would know it. And as a product of total inversion within the false reality, the one that they are experiencing, that all made sense to them. 
The TV would never lie to them about something so important and no contrary information could ever even be considered because if the contrary information were true, the TV would have told us. Now, you see, over time, that thought process continues and it begins to infect every area of your life. Soon, you don't believe the truth about anything, because if you believe the truth about one thing, it's really hard to reconcile that thing with everything else. You're incentivized to believe a certain set of things. You're punished to believe a different set of things. So you might as well believe the set of things you're incentivized to believe rather than the one that's going to get you punished. You're going to have a nicer life that way. That is the key to a comfortable ride. The problem is it's just not moral at all. And if anyone finds out, for instance, that you're wrong about these big things, and that you never really checked, you just responded to incentives and to potential punishments and believed and supported the side you were incentivized to believe and support, well, people might think that's a pretty immoral way of forming beliefs as well, especially when you're telling other members of the society that they must believe as you believe, or else they might be segregated or censored or have their children taken away, or maybe even imprisoned just for expressing views that you find inconvenient. And it really did get to that point. It gets to that point under every communist regime government in all of history. It happens around the world in different places on slightly different timelines, and it goes in cycles over and over again. The playbook is implemented, put into motion again and again and again, Anytime the society starts getting out of control or anytime the society needs to be further infiltrated and further brought into the global agenda and the global program, they have been using this method for centuries, which is why you would see, for instance, an event like the Reichstag fire in Germany being repeated in America as the very violent insurrection on January 6th. And then just a couple of years later, a very, very similar event in Brazil after their stolen election. And all of these events are very similar to the Maidan revolution in Ukraine, where that same regime overthrew Ukraine's government, leading to exactly what we're seeing in Russia and Ukraine right now. Now, throughout 2021, as these situations evolved, that first year of our new burgeoning dystopia with a fake and illegitimate president pretending to run the country, our fellow citizens believing that we are all domestic terrorists telling the big lie because people wanted to make their voices heard about an election that was quite obviously stolen in broad daylight to anyone who cares to look. All you have to do is check. All you have to do is notice. It's extremely easy to understand that our elections are stolen constantly at every level all across the country, and they have been for a long time. It's not hard to understand at all. So last week, we get the Halderman report out. That makes it very clear that the Dominion machines in Georgia are absolutely wide open to infiltration, manipulation, and exploitation. And they cannot, under any circumstances, be relied upon to produce a result that accurately reflects the will and intent of the voters who used them. 
It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a system. The system was designed that way. The process was complicated and convoluted in certain ways to leave loopholes so that none of this malfeasance could ever actually be dealt with. They did that so they could steal elections, not so it would be harder for them to argue that they weren't stealing elections. Systems don't end up that way unless they are intended to end up that way. All of this was right there in front of them. This knowledge could have been their knowledge. This knowledge could have been their knowledge two and a half years ago. And instead, they chose to ignore it. And they chose to treat their fellow citizens like they were a lower class of person because they wouldn't submit to the regime and agree to go along with the theft of the elections after the hoax of the pandemic. And all of that following on four years of obvious attempts to destroy Donald Trump, including soft coups while he was the duly elected president. All of us watched all of that. All of that was available for anyone to view, but instead they looked away, preferring to go after their own fellow citizens, their friends, their family, their neighbors, whoever. And it got to the point where everything bad that happened was connected directly to those people. And it was because they were those people that they could only produce bad things. And those people still sleeping, those Biden supporters, those election fraud deniers on the Uniparty left and the Uniparty right treated people atrociously. They argued for the abhorrent treatment of their fellow citizens on par with anything and everything done by the authoritarian communist regimes of the 20th century. They did it all. They got all the way there. And as we discussed yesterday, they've now advanced to the point of attempting to imprison the leader of their political opposition. Full on banana republic. All of this being done in service to the global communist agenda. That is not up for debate. It's not up for discussion. It is very clear to virtually everyone right now that that's what we have. Communism is the only possible agenda for globalism to follow. It doesn't work any other way. It requires removing national sovereignty, which of course requires removing individual sovereignty, and they grow closer to removing both sorts of sovereignty around the world every day. Or, to be fair, they were moving closer. I do believe that they are no longer moving closer to either, though they are still continuing down their path. Now, if you're the sort of person that has supported all of that stuff and you are still in any way attached to reality, you're probably having some serious doubts about all of it. Now, not all of them are. Many of them believe that they exist in a state of static rightness. They are just permanently right about everything when they are wrong. Well, who's to say you have a different opinion? This is my opinion. You can't actually prove me wrong because I will never admit that you have proven me wrong. And until the television agrees with you, I am going to be right. According to all of the rest of society, who's not you, they will isolate you. You are 
You alone, you have that opinion, but your opinion is not shared by the cable news. Your opinion is not shared by the New York Times or the Washington Post. Your opinion is not shared by the experts. Therefore, your opinion is invalid and mine still wins. Now, if the TV and the newspapers and the experts all eventually tell me that your opinion is right, I will believe it, but that doesn't make you right. You were still wrong. You were being a conspiracy theorist. Now that the TV and the newspapers and the experts say it's true, I believe it. Therefore, I am right for the right reasons with the right evidence. That's how we went along. That's how people have been treated for years. And that's kind of a problem because no one on our side actually has any incentive at this point to forgive any of that. Now, I'm not saying we should hold grudges and hold on to anger. I'm just saying maybe we don't need a bunch of insane communists very close to us in our lives until they have woken up. Because the truth is, right now, they're kind of dangerous people. I realized this in 2020 when I was banned from Instagram and told a few friends who had millions of followers on Instagram and every opportunity to speak up for me. And they not only sat silent, they told me, hey, you shouldn't have been saying those things. That's when I realized that those people would absolutely turn me in if the Gestapo came knocking on their doors. They would say, oh, hello, Gestapo. Well, you'll be pleased to know that I am extremely well behaved. In fact, I model good behavior for others. But over there is a guy who got banned on Instagram for saying the no-no things. And I bet he's still saying the no-no things elsewhere. Now, people on our side have had a hard time admitting that the people around them, the people close to them throughout their lives would ever do something like that. And I agree that it's not a pleasant thought to have. It just also happens to be true. And as many of these people are still going insane right up to the present day, you got to wonder which way they're ultimately going to turn. Are they going to come to you? and seek your advice and your help and your forgiveness? Or are they just going to keep going down that road and eventually go insane and attempt to ruin your life and the lives of everyone around them? So back in 2021, I used to talk to and about these people all the time, and I would encourage them to become redeemable communists. All you have to do genuinely is seek forgiveness from the people you have been bad to, not from everybody. You don't have to ask for forgiveness from strangers, although it's not a bad idea, but it might be wise to approach your friends and your family and your neighbors and say, hey, I think I fell victim to the brainwashing. They spent years telling me that people who thought as you think are crazy and evil and uneducated. And I guess I just went along with it because we didn't agree. And I didn't think that there was any way you were right. I was thinking and doing as I was always taught to think and do. And now I realize that all of that is very, very wrong. And I would like to go down another path. And I hope that you'll forgive me and help me as we walk down this path together. <laughs> that would just be lovely, wouldn't it? And if someone were to do that, you would say, my, 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 you do seem to be one redeemable communist. I understand that you were a communist these last few years in spite of everything telling you that it was not only wrong, but just so blatantly evil. And you knew it was all evil because you've certainly told me about how all those things in history were evil. And you even said that me and Donald Trump and people like me were doing those things 
comparing us to that historical evil, even though it was your side through ideology, through bloodlines. And in fact, you were actively promoting all of that same stuff. And there is, again, a few years long social media trail, despite our conversations that we both know about, proving that you supported all that stuff. And it's important to clear the air on all of that before you move on. But that's the right move. And we would always welcome redeemable communists. I even have redeemable communist merch on cancelcodetour.com. A nice little award that says RC on it. You win an award when you are a redeemable communist. Congratulations, commie. You have done away with your communism and turned toward the light. And we are all very proud of you. We are happy to welcome you into the fold. We will all say, hey, what took you so long? We've been waiting for you, saving you this spot. We really are quite proud that you have made your return. Now, there are a couple of choices beyond being a redeemable communist. Some people are not going to seek redemption or forgiveness. They are just going to draw inward, try to enclose themselves in their shell and hide so that no one will ever realize where they stood throughout this time. Maybe they'll delete a few social media posts. Maybe they'll determine that, you know, some of those friends, some of those family members, some of those neighbors, well, our lives have just gone in different directions and I'm not going to be able to talk to that person. And they'll do that because they're too embarrassed or too small, too weak to try to redeem themselves in the eyes of that person they have mistreated. I hope to not be that person. I'm sure you all do as well. And I'm sure it's also true that in our lives, we mistreat people unintentionally and we don't even know we did it. And in those circumstances, maybe one day they will tell us and we can seek redemption. But some people won't do that. They don't want to apologize. They've said too much. They've done too much. They don't think that there's any path back. They don't want to walk back the entire path so that they can then turn around and catch up. They just want to jump onto a parallel path and pretend that their history was something entirely different. I have a new future ahead of me, but all that history, oh, that's someone else's. Well, those people are going to end up essentially being good Germans, just as they were referred to after World War II. Those Germans that just went along with the regime because they agreed or because it was easy, because they were incentivized, because they feared the punishment, because they just could not stand up. Now, that is probably not a great way to walk through life, although back in the 1930s and 40s, they didn't have social media. A few people might know what you did and what you said and how you acted and who you aligned yourself with through those times. But what is that going to be? Five people, 10 people, 50 people, 100 people? Unless you're a public figure, it's certainly not more than that. You could simply move to another town or another country and your behavior throughout that time would simply disappear into the ether. No one would ever know of it again. But this isn't that time. We have social media. We have a record of people's communications. We have a record of what they said in public. And these people know that they're not going to be able to hide from it. Now, I'm not suggesting that people are going to be reminding them of it every day. They certainly won't be. And I'm not suggesting that that's what we should be doing, although it's probably appropriate in certain situations. 
The point is that they know that record is out there. So they're going to have to be a little bit withdrawn, a little bit protective because they're going to carry that shame for how they have acted throughout this period. And then naturally, of course, we have the people who are not going to do any of that. The people who will proudly stick to their guns about all of this stuff. The people still wearing masks. They haven't figured out that masks don't work or maybe they have, but they still think they're modeling good behavior and signaling their virtue to others. So they still wear the mask just to declare their allegiance to one side. Same way that some of them still have their Ukraine flag emojis up online. There are still Democrats out there with hashtag resist and the little blue wave emoji on their Twitter profile. Those people aren't going to wake up. They're not going to be good Germans. They're not going to be redeemable communists. They're just going to go bonkers and get worse. So we have all these various options. But the best one, of course, is to become a redeemable communist. Hey, commies, we understand Many of us got tricked, too, about a great many things. I didn't start really waking up until the end of 2016 and didn't really wake up until 2020. And the truth is, nobody's ever fully awake. So I'm going to still wake up to stuff in the future from where I am now. But, you know, I didn't wear a mask in my car. So we're all at different stages of the process. That's my point. But we have to engage in the process of trying to learn and grow and become better people and to right our past wrongs or else what is the purpose of life? And so as we learn over time, part of that learning process, as I've discussed within the last couple of weeks, is seeing these stories play out over and over again. We get these cyclical reruns. Take election fraud, for instance, in May of 2020, just a couple of months into the very deadly pandemic, we began hearing about how Democrats wanted to change election laws through various states in the country. That summer, Nancy Pelosi was holding up covid relief packages because as a condition of bringing those bills to the floor, she wanted universal mail in balloting. Mail-in ballots sent out to everyone across the country and universal ballot harvesting. Imagine they had those things with the machines. They could have taken all of the states and they may well have done it just so they could say, look how the country has rejected Donald Trump. Imagine the world we would be in now. But my point is that you could begin to understand stolen elections in our country from that early period. I mean, many people understood way before, but I'm trying to keep this relative to our present moment. So we went on into the fall. We heard more about mail-in balloting. And then the Hunter Biden laptop came out and the Hunter Biden laptop was censored. That was pretty clear and obvious election interference. And if you were paying attention, which most people were not, you would have seen John Ratcliffe, the director of national intelligence, come out to the podium with Chris Ray of the FBI and Chris Krebs of CISA behind him. And he said that there had already been foreign interference in the 2020 election prior to the election taking place. Then we had the election. They shut down counting that night. They told us water mains burst when they hadn't. Everybody went to sleep in the morning Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of ballots had come in at different states around the country. Lo and behold, Joe Biden might have won this thing. 
by that weekend, they told us he had. And then the evidence started coming in. Then we started having the hearings. We saw videos of trucks arriving, bringing ballots at 3 a.m. in different locations. We see Ruby Freeman processing votes in a counting room that was supposed to be closed. Evidence of the election's vulnerabilities began pouring in from all directions, along with evidence of actual cheating and fraud and malfeasance. And people ignored it and covered it up. And stories on election fraud have been repeating every couple of weeks, every couple of months, ever since. And some of them get pretty big. They go a little bit viral. They start breaking into the mainstream and a few people wake up. And that process plays out over and over again. We have to continue seeing these reruns. We got the Halderman report finally unsealed out to the public last week. But that Halderman report is a few years old. People have known what's in that Halderman report for a few years. And people have known for decades that there were problems with the voting machines. Democrats have said it. Republicans have said it. Experts have said it. It's been demonstrated. Virtually everyone knew it up until the point where it mattered whether or not people would say it. But it wasn't new information. Last week, we also got reports, new headlines, rerun stories about the sheriff in Racine, Wisconsin, who found 100% turnout in nursing homes and patients in nursing homes who were in absolutely no condition to vote whatsoever, having their votes cast for them. Now, this is again a story that we have known about for years. We saw the sheriff there, Chris Schmalling, release this info in the fall of 2021. And here we are in the summer of 2023 And that story is being rerun. Many people just seeing it for the first time. Now, here's the thing. Every time we get these reruns, the big public reruns, the new stories or the new versions of the stories or the more widespread stories that reaffirm and reinforce and validate and reassert these stories from before, each time that happens, that is the opportunity for one of these people who's still asleep to become a redeemable communist. The Halderman report last week, for instance, that is an opportunity for every person out there who has spent the last two and a half years denying and ignoring and accepting election fraud to come out and say, yes, I understand that all of you were right. Our elections absolutely can be stolen, and there is every reason to believe that they are and were stolen, and there is overwhelming evidence indicating that that has happened. Each and every election fraud denier has that opportunity. Well, they have that opportunity all the time, but they are given a golden opportunity every time a rerun like this plays and more people have seen it. So what decision do they make? Do they accept the reality? Do they catch themselves up to the reality? Do they say, I have kept myself in the dark for two and a half years. I cannot believe I did that. I would like to say that I don't know why I did it, but the truth is I do know why. I was scared of telling the truth. I was scared that my life would change. I was scared that people wouldn't like me because I've seen what people like me do to people who say there was election fraud. In fact, I've done it myself. That's why I couldn't admit it. 
Well, hey, Kami, congratulations. You've put it all together. All of that is lovely. And I would enjoy being your partner on this journey forward. If you continue to have this open-minded point of view, we've all been wrong in the past. Some of us, like me, were brainwashed in the same ways you were brainwashed. Now, I was never quite as brainwashed as you, sorry. But it's not a contest, Kami. We're just happy to have you aboard. Welcome aboard. Please join us. And then there are those who don't. Given another opportunity to finally let it go, accept reality, snap right into the present. They don't want to do that. And they don't want to do it for the same reasons that they ignored and denied and accepted election fraud for the last two and a half years. They're small people. They are weak of character. They are scared about what the future looks like if they admit what's going on because they know how people like them treat people like us. So they double down and triple down and quadruple down on their very, very bad bet. That bet that no one will ever find out. And if they do, oh, they're not going to hold me accountable. Not me. It's not my fault. Sure, I was wrong. But everybody else was wrong in exactly the same way. Therefore, I can't be held personally responsible. But here's the thing, Kami. Not everybody was wrong. And you've been wrong about the numbers, too. The truth is, almost everybody agrees with us. So you don't have that intellectual cover you thought you had. You better just admit it, come back to reality, and then we can all move on. Now, why in the world would someone not take that opportunity, given so many opportunities? In fact, let's stop for a little clip. I love this clip. It always fits in so well. Danger powers, personal effects. Actually, my name is Austin Powers. It says here, name Danger Powers. No, 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 no. Danger's my middle name. Okay, Austin Danger Powers. One blue crushed velvet suit. Hey, all right. One frilly lace cravat. There it is. One silver medallion with male symbol. One pair of Italian boots. Buongiorno, boys. One vinyl record album. Bert Bacharach plays his hits. Hey, bro. Yeah. yeah. One Swedish-made penis enlarger pump. That's not mine. One credit card receipt for Swedish-made penis enlarger, signed by Austin Powers. I'm telling you, baby, that's not mine. One warranty card for Swedish-made penis enlarger pump, filled out by Austin Powers. I don't even know what this is. This sort of thing ain't my bag, baby. <laughs> One book, Swedish-made penis enlarger pumps and me. This sort of thing is my bag, baby, by Austin Powers. Ah, just sign the form. Okay, don't get heavy, man. I'll sign you just to get things moving. <laughs> You're all right, baby. Like, come on, Kami, you can just admit it. We can all be friends here. How many times do we need to prove it to you? But they won't let it go. They won't let any of it go. And why won't they let it go? Because they know how they treated people. They know how people like them treat people like us and people like them don't want to change into people like us. And it's not just about election fraud. It's about all of it. All of the stories are being rerun all the time. 
COVID stories, mask stories, lockdown stories, school closure stories, mail-in ballot stories, election fraud stories, very violent insurrection stories, inflation stories, immigration stories, energy resources stories, climate change hoax stories, Russia-Ukraine stories, China-Taiwan stories, China-U.S. stories. Crash of the dollar stories, political corruption stories, just reruns all the time, all the time. People have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to wake up and say, I'm going to make myself a redeemable communist today. I can't just keep going down this dark path. It's pretty obvious where it leads. and That's not a very good idea for my future. But they can't stop doing it. And why can't they stop doing it? Because they know how people like them treat people like us and they don't want to become people like us because then they'll be treated badly by people like them. At the very base of all of it, they don't want to be people like us because we are part of the class who are defined as acceptable targets of hatred. People like them are not only allowed to hate us, they are encouraged to hate us because it is a hate movement. And here's the funny thing about the hate movement. A hate movement is just the total inversion of a religion. Rather than loving and worshiping something that represents goodness and love and life in all its highest forms and feeling a kinship with the Other people who see what you see and view the world the way you view it and share in that same faith, you have an avatar for hatred and you apply that hatred to everyone you can associate with that avatar of your hatred. So Donald Trump and all his supporters are acceptable targets of hate. What they do is not only wrong, it is definitionally wrong. It is not wrong just because of the content of the belief. It is wrong because of who believes it. And for as long as those people believe it, it will remain wrong. And naturally, this is what they're covering up with their use of projection every time they try to say that Trump supporters are in a cult. Trump supporters do not worship Donald Trump and we do not obey Donald Trump. We see Donald Trump as the greatest champion the greatest tool for accomplishing a mission that we all agree must be accomplished. It's pretty simple, actually. And as I often note, people out there say that Donald Trump is responsible for the vaccine, even though, of course, he had set all of the preconditions to make it impossible to get an emergency use authorization for a vaccine after he had proposed many, many options for therapeutics That would have precluded the use of an EUA. But those same people trying to blame Donald Trump for the vaccine and all its many problems also call us cultists, even though Trump supporters were the least likely people to take the vaccine. In fact, in people's minds, they are still identified as the same way. Trump supporters and anti-vaxxers are essentially the same thing. They attached anti-vax to the avatar of hatred in Donald Trump. Everybody witnessed it. Everybody knows about it. You can't separate it. So you can't very well go and blame Donald Trump for the bad things the vaccine brought and call us cult members, even though we were the least likely people to get it. 
But they have to hold on to that projection, to their description of Trump supporters as cult members, because otherwise they would just have to say that Trump supporters are normal people, many of them people of faith, and all of them understanding that there is actually a goal that needs to be accomplished in this country in order to keep this country a country. And the best person, the best vehicle, the best tool to accomplish that mission is Donald Trump. It's not a faith-based belief, and it's not worship. It's also certainly not a cult. Again, we're all saying, hey, you guys believe whatever you want, but it would be a lot nicer if you believed what we believe, and we're more than happy to welcome you in anytime. We're not the ones out there violently and aggressively trying to remove the other side from our lives and from our society. That's you guys, Kami. That's you guys too. But you can't admit you're in a hate movement and you can't admit people on our side are actually people of faith acting in good faith and trying to preserve their country. So what do you do? You project and call us cult members. In fact, listen to this clip from Morning Joe that Steve Bannon played on War Room today. It's really something. And the idea of evangelicals, and I saw it growing up, I saw it growing up, was to throw the door wide open, look outward, and try to figure out how to connect, how to make difference in your community, how to be there for people who were hurting and people that were in need, being good Samaritans. That's what they taught us at least every Sunday. Of course, we all fell short of the mark. I'd fall short of the mark still all the time. But that was the idea. But Tim, one of the last things Tim said was that the word evangelical, it's become associated with politics instead of faith. They've not only, these Trumpers have not only taken over and twisted and distorted the Republican Party, they've done it to conservatism and they've done it to evangelicalism. Yeah, I I would just say as a person of the Christian faith, that's been the most personally painful thing to me uh, to see uh, not just the damage to the country, but to the damage to the faith, which I think is almost uh, incalculable. I think what's been revealed, among other things, Joe, is that faith turned out to be subordinate, secondary to certain core identities, whether they were partisan and political or cultural or socioeconomic or psychological. And what happened is a lot of people had a certain preconceptions. They they started at a point and they used the scriptures to justify where they were. You know, Shakespeare said devil can quote scripture for his own purposes and in fact did uh, in, in, in the second temptation. And I think we're seeing that happen. And look, you have in Donald Trump, the person who probably most embodies the antithesis of the Sermon on the Mount, the person of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And this guy is a rock star and has been for year after year. Now, you could have made an argument in 2016 that they didn't know what he was dealing with, but not as the years unfolded. And by the time we got to 2020, it was so obvious what he was, and yet they stayed. And it's a tremendous indictment of them, and it raises really deep issues. I know Tim was a close friend of mine. We talked a lot about this, and it really raises a lot of questions about the evangelical movement and what's happened, what went wrong, and what can be done to get it right. I mean, you, you, you go through the Beatitudes, and that's my challenge, always my challenge to, to those who talk about this. They go through every single Beatitude in the Sermon on the Mount, every single one. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the meek, 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the, I mean, I can go. Blessed are the merciful, those who show mercy. I can go through them all. He is literally the antithesis of every single one. Now, if you've listened to the show for a while, or you've heard me talk about my past before, then you'll understand that I spent virtually all of my adult life as an atheist. I studied philosophy in college. I knew all the arguments for God. I knew all the arguments against God. I had never had an experience of faith. I had no reason to believe that there was a God. And I took all of those arguments for science against God as very conclusive because I did not understand that my reliance on what I was told was a set of facts based on science, that reliance was itself a faith-based belief with no actual founding. And when you try to examine the evidence they refused to show you, that was exactly what I didn't like about religion. And then as I discussed last week on Badland Story Hour with my friend Burning Bright, once I began to open my mind to the realities of this world and discovered that there really was genuine evil, not the isolated kinds, not the personal kind, not the random kind, but real deep, dark evil, the sort that could capture people en masse, the sort that, for instance, could end up with networks of thousands of people running an international human trafficking trade. Stuff along those lines. Evil so deep and dark that you must understand there has to be that thing's opposite. And when you look for it, when you try to understand it, you say, oh, that's what they're talking about. That's what God is. And I bring this up to say that it's not like I have some natural bias toward evangelicals. I would not describe myself as evangelical. I don't even know how to describe myself. So I'm not just reflexively defending evangelicals here. But I think that you probably heard what I heard in that segment. That's a hate movement right there. Donald Trump is the avatar. All of the evangelicals out there, as described by Joe Scarborough and this writer, Peter Weiner, I think is his name, from The Atlantic, they just designated Donald Trump as the avatar of the hate movement. They said Donald Trump not only lacks those good qualities described in the Sermon on the Mount, he is the absolute opposite of all of those qualities. He's just pure evil, pure ego does whatever he wants to do all the time for his own benefit and glorification. He is the answer to the question, what wouldn't Jesus do? Which means that everyone who votes for him, who supports him as a politician, is not only evil too, but they don't actually believe their own faith. Their faith is not the way they believe it, whether individually or collectively. Their faith is the way Joe Scarborough and Peter Weiner describe it. And if those people don't abide to the expectations of Joe Scarborough and Peter Weiner, well, then they're just what? Worshiping a false idol, a false god. They don't really believe the things they profess to believe. And instead, they are the 
cult worshipers of the avatar of their hate movement. Think about all the points in the past where they could have simply tried to understand what Trump supporters believe, why they believe those things, why they believe that Donald Trump is the best person to bring those things to life in the world and to help restore this country, to save this country. They've had those opportunities again and again and again, and they've always declined. No matter how many reruns are shown to them that Trump supporters are this or Trump supporters are that. No matter how he is getting majority support from suburban women and has a huge Hispanic base and a big and growing base of support among black Americans more than any other Republican. It doesn't matter how many educated people or wealthy people or poor people support him. It doesn't matter at all. He is the same thing. And as soon as someone declares their support for him, they are that thing, too. Because it's actually evil to support him, and it is good to say how evil he is. Those are the rules of the hate movement, and it is a hate movement. There are those people that will not be redeemable communists. There are those people that will not even end up as good Germans. And these are those people. These are the people who have fully embraced a hate movement, and they are perpetuating that hate movement. And they are spreading it on television. At this point, I'm not even sure they're trying to recruit more members into their hate movement. They're just trying to keep the members of the hate movement in line and committed to the cause. That clip is absolutely deranged. Now, with all that in mind, I want to talk about Donald Trump's interview on Fox last night with Brett Baer. Now, The last time a lot of people saw Brett Baer, he was calling Arizona for Joe Biden way too early on election night in 2020. Without calling Arizona for Biden, most people in the country would have understood going to bed that night that Joe Biden had absolutely no chance of winning that election. He was down in state after state, down by huge margins in Pennsylvania and Georgia. And you know the rest of the story, but here's Brett Baer interviewing Donald Trump. And boy, oh boy, people are mad this morning. The controlled opposition, the people on Fox News, the morning hosts, the people on the Daily Wire, the rest of conservative incorporated media, they're all talking about how irresponsible Donald Trump is, how dumb Donald Trump is. Ben Shapiro posted a gif this morning of a man in a conference room standing up from the table, walking to an open window and walking straight out of it, obviously to his death. And he said, Trump's lawyers this morning. Oh, gosh, Ben Shapiro The smartest guy in the whole world. Slammer of 19-year-old gender studies sophomores. And a leading man in the effort to get Ron to a point of believability so they can rig and steal the GOP primary. That Ben Shapiro is just so funny dunking on Trump. Trump is stupid. That's what it is. It's not that the case is absolute nonsense. It's not that there's some problem with an illegitimate president 
weaponizing the Department of Justice to go after the leader of the political opposition. Why focus on that stuff? Let's talk about how Donald Trump said things on this interview that are going to put his lawyer in a very, very bad position when this thing comes to trial. That's Ben Shapiro's take. It's not that the whole thing is an injustice. It's not that the whole thing is bullshit. It's that Donald Trump once again is dumb and everybody out there who's a big fan of Ben Shapiro, who's listened to Ben Shapiro be sometimes Trump for eight straight years now, they all get to enjoy another two minutes. hate. Ben Shapiro called Donald Trump stupid again, and Ben Shapiro is just as smart as it gets. So you know he must be right. And if you're a Ben Shapiro listener, then that means you're very, very smart too, because you're getting the the real stuff, the genuine article, intelligence in its purest form. You're getting it all from Ben Shapiro. That makes you one of the smartest people out there and definitely smarter than Donald Trump. I mean, sure, you don't have billions of dollars and you didn't figure out how to become president in the face of overwhelming opposition from every powerful person and institution in the entire world. You didn't take down the corrupt political dynasties of the Clintons and the Obamas and the Bidens and the Bushes and the McCains and the list goes on and on. But you are very smart for listening to Ben Shapiro and Donald Trump is very dumb for being Donald Trump. And naturally, With Ben Shapiro as the leader of the movement, he gets to speak for all Republicans. In fact, every normie villager conservative and everyone in the controlled opposition of the GOP establishment and elite, the conservative incorporated media, all of them get to speak for all Republicans and all Trump supporters, although they're going to tell you that Trump supporters just are not the right kind of Republicans. They don't want to be associated with Trump supporters at all. The uniparty right just does not want to be associated with Trump supporters the same way that the uniparty left doesn't want to be associated with Trump supporters. How odd the uniparty right and the uniparty left align on many things as we discussed last week. And they also align on where they stand in the hate movement relative to Donald Trump, the avatar of their hatred and all of his supporters. Gosh, that's just so surprising. Another example of when con Inc media decided to go after Donald Trump and call him very stupid and go after his supporters Evolved from this moment in the interview with Brett Baer when Brett Baer asked Donald Trump about the 2020 election. Against Biden, disapproves of Biden, but wasn't with you in 2020 and so far is a hard no for you in 2024. But what do you say to that? What what do you say to that female independent suburban voter who feels that way to win her back? First of all, I won in 2020 by a lot. Okay. You Let's know, get that straight. I won in 2020. You know that this, and if you look at all of the tapes, if the you look at shows. everything that you want to look at, you take a look at Truth to Vote, where they have people stuffing the ballot boxes on tapes, or President, let's go to recent. Well, wait a minute. Let's go to recent. FBI Twitter. Let's go to recent. The 51 agents. All corrupt stuff, Brett. Understand about all, the Hunter Biden. Well, no, but that's cheating on the election. But that, that's cheating on the election. You lost the 2020 election. Uh, Brett. 
you take a look at all of the stuff ballots. You take a look at all of the things, including things like the 51 intelligence there were, agents. There were recounts in all of the swing states. There was not significant right. widespread. We're trying to get recounts, real recounts, not just numbers of votes. Widespread cast. corruption. There was not a sense of that. There were lawsuits, more than 50 of them, by your lawyers. Some in front of Freddy, judges, Freddy. judges that you appointed. Look at Wisconsin. That came out with Wisconsin no evidence. Is, Wisconsin has practically admitted it was rigged. Other states are doing the same right now, and it's continuing. It was a of every election. potential case of voter fraud in six battleground states, and they found fewer than 475 cases. You know why? Because they didn't effective. look at the right things. Okay, Brent. are you going? They to were be counting. They were counting ballots, not the authenticity of the ballot. The ballots were fake ballots. You had, this asked, was a very rigged Are you election. going to go, this is how you're going to tell that independent suburban no, woman no, voter no. to vote we're for We're off to winning an election, and I think we're winning very well. Uh, I got a poll just recently. I have it here. I'd no, no, show no, I you. know. And, and I watched but the numbers. I showed you every poll. I showed you we were leading by tremendous numbers, you know and we're change. leading with women, huh? You know polls change. Sure. I mean, they changed in 2016 to your favor. I thought I was doing well from the beginning, but you know. But they changed, the yeah. polls. What did you learn from your first term that you took from and changes that you would make if you get elected? I would like to be less combative, but I find the press is extremely dishonest. And if I'm not combative, I don't get my word across. If I'm not combative, I don't know. I, I don't think you could win. I think regardless me or somebody else, if somebody else got the nomination, these radical left Maniacs would come after them at a level like you've never seen before, and they're not going to be able to withstand it. Our country is sick. It's sick. We have people that will do anything, and it's a very sad thing, like the document hoax. They should have never been brought. We're in the middle of a political campaign, and they want to arrest the opponent who's leading the person that's in theory in charge of government. This stuff shouldn't happen. Sure. Now, there are shorter cuts of that clip going out online, mostly because the people in Con Inc. media don't want that end part there because that hurts their narrative about Donald Trump and why he says those things and acts that way. They all say it's because he has a massive ego and no self-control, but it's actually because they're trying to steamroll him all the time and insert false narratives over Donald Trump's true narratives. Brett Baer just spent a minute trying to talk over Trump in his claims about what happened in the election. And Brett Baer was asserting the official story, the central narrative viewpoint that no fraud was found anywhere. That is completely, totally, absolutely false. Donald Trump was right on each one of his claims and Brett Baer was making generalizations in order to distract and obfuscate. There is no argument to be made, for instance, that Donald Trump lost all his cases while there are still cases out there ongoing about election fraud. And while more evidence is coming out all the time in active cases, doesn't make sense to give off a big number like 50 or 60 that they always give off when most of those cases did not ever reach the point of seeing evidence. Brett Baer is not being an objective newsman there. He is trying to preserve the central narrative, but that doesn't matter. And it certainly doesn't matter to anyone in Con Inc media and all of the DeSantis simps and other conservative influencers online 
who are anti-Trump and looking to destroy Trump and demoralize MAGA. Guy Benson, a popular conservative with nearly 350,000 followers who works with Fox News and Town Hall last night included part of that clip, Trump talking about 2020 election fraud. And he said, are Republican voters excited to have this claim as a central issue of the 2024 election? What could be more con ink than that? Election fraud is absolutely the number one issue for pretty much all of MAGA, which makes it the number one issue for almost the entire Republican Party. It is the number one issue for everyone who understands that our elections are stolen, and that's over 60% of the entire country at this point, and it's probably much higher than that. But Con Inc. Media doesn't want to admit it. How is someone like Guy Benson or Ben Shapiro or any of the other DeSantis simps going to admit that election fraud is an important issue in next year's election? That election fraud from 2020 that they all wanted to move on from is an important issue in next year's election. They pretend that they are looking out for Republican voters in all of this while denying what the Republican voters they're looking out for actually want. What does that tell you? That is elitism, the same elitism as practiced on the uniparty left. They don't care what the people want. They believe that the people are stupid and they then take on the role of having to make decisions for the stupid people in order to protect them. But those decisions will never be against what they themselves believe is best for them. So what do you end up with? You end up with the people in power, the people in control of information and communications, deciding that the thing they want for themselves is actually what they need to do for everyone else who's too dumb to decide for themselves what to do. They get to have their way and say that they're only doing it that way to help other people. It's not that they're selfish. It's not that they want to get their way, despite the fact that they are a tiny and shrinking minority. It's that despite their largesse and despite their power, they are such good people that they're going to take all of that and just do charity with it. They're going to do what everybody else wants done. And if they don't want it done, well, the truth is they need it done. So despite the fact that they don't want it, we're going to do it for them anyway. It's amazing that once again, they agree with the uniparty left. Ben Shapiro, the bizarro world version of Rachel Maddow, believes just like Rachel Maddow that he knows what's best for everybody. So all those stupid people, the people who don't control the communications, the people who don't have the wealth, who don't have the power, they should actually be thankful that he is deciding it's not going to be Trump for all of them. Because the thing is, they all want it to be Trump, and I guess they just don't know how bad that's going to be for them. 
Ben Shapiro and Guy Benson and the rest of the DeSantis simps and the rest of conservative incorporated and the GOP establishment and elite. They are going to give us Ron DeSantis through a rigged and stolen primary, and we are going to be happy about it because it's what's best for us, even though we don't know it. And because they're doing this for us out of the goodness of their hearts, out of a sense of charity, we can't even be mad at them for rigging and stealing a primary in the future. They're doing it for us. And that's how you know it's not a hate movement. Sure, they're going to do whatever they want because they have decided that all of us are too stupid and malicious and ignorant and uneducated and evil that we can't make our own decisions. So they're going to do what they want to do, but they're going to say that it's for us because it's for us. It can't be a hate movement. And in fact, because we never see that they are being so charitable to us and we still want to support Donald Trump, despite how smart and wealthy and powerful and charitable they are, we're in a cult. Now they think that they are embarrassing Donald Trump and all of his supporters when they post these clips and they talk about how stupid it is that Donald Trump is still talking about the 2020 election. They use shame as a tactic and figure that if they're able to spread that shame enough, make that shame real and really felt, then maybe people will stop supporting Donald Trump and stop talking about the 2020 election. They need it to go away. Why do they need it to go away? The more evidence that comes out, the harder it is to avoid the fact that all of these people lied about election fraud, denied stolen elections, and helped the uniparty left cover it up. They helped the regime steal the election and then cover it up. That's what the people at the Daily Wire have done at Fox News, at the National Review, at Commentary, and the Dispatch, and all of the conservative outlets. They all helped the regime, the global communist regime, steal an election. And it turns out that a lot of them are neocons, which is an outgrowth of communism. Neoconservatism has the roots of its ideology in Trotsky. All of these people are globalists and talk about free trade as a euphemism for globalism. And we're supposed to believe that they are just patriotic Americans that want a sovereign America and sovereign individuals and free markets, just like everybody else. They're covering up a stolen election stolen by the globalist regime, and they have to keep going because they're not interested in becoming redeemable communists. They're not going to come out and admit that they were wrong publicly after what they have said and done and how they have treated people. Their public reputations are all on the line. They have told thousands and thousands and thousands of people hundreds or thousands of times that the election was not stolen, that Joe Biden won fair and square, even if things were a little weird, as if admitting that things were a little weird about an election is a position 
that can be supported by any patriotic American. Hey, you know, yeah, it's a little bit in doubt. Things definitely were weird. But since we don't know for sure, we just have to pretend that the guy who couldn't get 20 people to a rally actually received the most votes in history. 81 million real legal American votes. And during a very deadly pandemic, the voting turnout increased a full 20%, 27 million more votes cast than just four years ago. Isn't it incredible? And sure, Donald Trump definitely got over a million more votes in Florida than Ron DeSantis did two years later in his governor race. But Ron DeSantis is still way more popular. It's absolutely bonkers, but they continue to support it because they can't admit they were wrong. Now, a lot of those Republicans in Con Inc. media and in the establishment, when the news finally comes, when they feel that there is no escape from their prior position, then they will begin to claim that everyone has just discovered right now for the first time that the 2020 election was stolen. Finally, there is quote unquote real proof. That is what we are going to be told. That is a future we are almost definitely going to see come into being in the real world. They're going to tell us that finally there is proof. There was never proof up till the moment that they decide there is proof. And then at that point, everybody knows and everybody will admit it. Some of those people will actually go hide. But a lot of them, because they have been so public about their positions and so adamant about their positions, so insulting to Donald Trump and his supporters about the election and everything else, that they're just going to keep on going. They'll just join the Lincoln Project or something similar, and they will support another candidate. Maybe they rig it for Ron and make Ron the Republican nominee. Donald Trump goes out and does a third party thing. They'll stay there and vote for Ron as Republicans and Democrats will vote for Joe Biden and there will be a Trump and maybe Trump Kennedy third party run. The regime is already trying to set up a third party of their own. We're entering a weird time, but these guys will do whatever they can to never be forced to admit that Donald Trump actually won in 2020 and the election was stolen. And there has always been obvious, overwhelming evidence of that election theft everywhere. If you just simply look, they're not going to be able to admit that. You know, Donald Trump also had an interesting moment at the end of that clip talking about Joe Biden. He said, we're in the middle of a political campaign and they want to arrest the opponent who's leading the person that's in theory in charge of government. It's strange that Brett Baer didn't fact check him on that. But they went through some other issues, of course, and Trump, of course, made comments that are now being framed as controversial. They have to tell everybody what a bad interview it was for Donald Trump. I personally enjoyed the hell out of it. Here's another moment where they thought they were nailing Donald Trump. And to me, I'm like, great moment. 2016, you said that I'm going to surround myself with only the best and most serious people. 
Well, I did do that. This and we time, had tremendous. Look, we had the best economy we've ever had. The this world time, has ever seen. Your vice president, Mike Pence, is running against you. Yeah. Your ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, she's running against you. Your former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, said he's not supporting you. You mentioned National Security Advisor John Bolton. He's not supporting you either. You mentioned Attorney General Bill Barr uh, says you shouldn't be president again. I uh, calls you the consummate narcissist and troubled man. You recently called and uh, bar a, a gutless pig. Uh, your second defense secretary is not supporting you, called you irresponsible. This week, you and your White House called your White House chief of staff, John Kelly, weak and ineffective and born with a very small brain. You called your acting White House chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, a born loser. You called your first secretary of state, Rex Tillerson, dumb as a rock and your first defense secretary, James Mattis, the world's most overrated general. You called your White House press secretary, Kaylee milk toast, and multiple times you've referred to your transportation secretary, Elaine Chao, as Mitch McConnell's China-loving wife. So, why did you hire all of them in the first place? Because I hired 10 to 1 that were fantastic. We had a great economy. We had phenomenal people in charge of the economy. We had phenomenal people in the military. I'm not a fan of Milley, and I'm not a fan of certain of the television people. But I knocked out ISIS. I defeated ISIS. They said, Mattis, it would take three years, and I don't think we can do it. I did it in a period of, like, four weeks. There's a lot of people who praise you for your policies. I just said true. that. That's true. Well, I mean, you just went through a list. But don't forget, for everyone you say, I had ten that love us. Now, there's this weird normie tendency, this weird tendency among the members of the party of false decorum to hear Brett Baer rattle off a list like that and think, oh, gosh, that's just so embarrassing for Donald Trump. He said those insulting things about that many people. They can't all be bad people. In fact, they're probably all great. They're probably all experts. And the fact that Donald Trump thinks they're bad actually makes them even better. They will believe this. They will believe that they are consistent in their beliefs about this, despite the fact that prior to these people hating Trump, all of the child brains and the villagers on the Union Party left hated all of these people. Bill Barr, Mike Pence, John Bolton. They didn't like any of those people. When Donald Trump brought those people into his administration, there were articles written about how bad all of those people were. But now that those people and Donald Trump are seen as rivals in some sense, adversaries in some sense, that makes all those people good. And so people on that side will make those arguments in public. But when they're alone with nothing but their thoughts, they hear Donald Trump has said these things about all these people, and these people have all said these things about him. And how do they react? They want to think that Trump is bad in every situation, and that is going to be their first thought. But after that initial reaction subsides, after the two minutes hate are over, then they have to think, wait a second, do I have to defend Mike Pence and Bill Barr and John Bolton now? Are they all on my side? Am I going to go out and defend those people because they are Donald Trump's adversaries? A lot of them are just like, well, yeah, I guess I got to do that. The TV said these people are on my side now. I know that they are Donald Trump's adversaries, so I guess I have to defend them. Or they can go the other direction and agree with Trump that all those people are bad. They can still say they hate Trump, too. But if they're going to maintain their bad opinions of those other people, 
Well, then I guess they're forced to agree with Donald Trump. And the truth is, I'm pretty much happy no matter which way they go. These moments aren't bad for Donald Trump. Mike Pence might end up being his vice president again. There's certainly plenty of story left to be written about Bill Barr. And who knows about the rest of them. But it's not like that list of names that Brett Baer rattled off are all stars in the minds of the Uniparty left and the Uniparty right. It's also very, very strange to me and always has been that people who are absolutely in a hate movement and constantly insulting just giant masses of people, virtually anyone who does not agree with them. It's incredible to me that those people who are constantly insulting just normal people, including their friends, their family and their neighbors have a problem when Donald Trump is insulting people that they also don't like. Why would they do that? And again, you arrive at the answer. Well, it's because they have to be on the opposite side of what Donald Trump says, no matter what Donald Trump says. They know that because it's required by the hate movement. That's one of the most fundamental rules of the hate movement. You select the avatar for the hatred, and then anything associated with that avatar is necessarily bad. A hate movement would hardly function if you didn't know what things to hate. So you get simple rules. Anything that you can conceive to be related in any way to Donald Trump, the avatar of our hatred, is bad. Therefore, anyone who Donald Trump doesn't like and anyone who opposes Donald Trump, those people are all good and we will defend them to the death. But can't we look at what has happened over the last eight years? We've seen the hate movement in full bloom for quite a long time now. How are things going in the last three years? Are they doing well for the country? The people who are in the hate movement who made sure that there was no way Donald Trump could get elected and then even after he won that there was no way he would ever be able to cement that win in the minds of the public. He would never be able to be seen as operating in his second term. Those people are responsible for the decision. Joe Biden is a product of. Of that hate movement, which shouldn't surprise anybody because Joe Biden was, of course, mentored in politics for decades by a Klan leader. Again, it's not like I'm just pulling this out of my ass. The fake president was mentored by a Klansman. They're sending money right now to a Nazi army in Ukraine run by the CIA. The entire reason for being of the whole political movement right now supporting the global regime is indeed to support global communism. And Donald Trump, the one opposed to that, is the avatar of their hate movement. None of this is surprising. And sometimes I think I'm nuts that I'm the only one talking about it. Because honestly, what could be more obvious? And what are the net effects of all of this? Has the hate movement, the anti-Trump movement, the anti-Trump supporter movement that is now in its ninth year in existence, has that been good for the country? Has it been good for anyone? No, it hasn't. It's been terrible for everyone, but it still persists because if it stopped, 
then they might have to take responsibility for what they've said and what they've done and how they've treated people. And we can still hope that some do that. We can still hope that some choose the path of redeemable communist, but most of them at this point will not. The best that most of them can hope for at this point is a quiet life of being a good German. The rest of them are just going to lose their minds. And again, I've been saying this for almost three years now because it was so obvious then. So the question becomes, how many more reruns are left? How many more times do we see each and every one of these stories go around until the truth of all of them becomes undeniable on such a widespread basis that it is only a source of mocking and ridicule when people take the position of the regime and the position the regime has held to this point. The social credit for taking those positions is almost completely gone. The incentives are mostly gone, but the punishments are still there, or at least too many of those people still perceive punishments there because they know what people like them do to people like us and people like them don't ever want to become people like us because they know that people like them will do it to them too. At this point, they would rather go crazy than admit they were wrong because they still believe that they have some chance of getting away with it all. And they will risk going crazy on that minute chance to never have to pay the piper. And somehow these people are still considered smart, even though everything they have pursued for eight years has ended in absolute ruin. Have they gotten more attention? Have they gotten more popular? Hey, maybe, maybe for a while they did. It's not working out so well now. Did they get more wealthy? Yeah, they sure did. I'm not sure that's going to work out well in the long run either. Their relationships haven't improved. They've rejected friends. They've rejected family members. What about their health? Has their health improved? After years of masking and vaccinating, what have these very smart people done over the last eight years that is very smart? It seems to me all they've done is respond to incentives and a punishment structure inside of a hate movement. This is not some act of brilliance or accomplishment. And Donald Trump understands what kind of people are actually responsible for this, what kind of people are implementing this agenda, and what kind of people are running everything. But they've actually gone over to China now, if you think about it. Think of it. It was even unthinkable. If somebody suggested it during my administration, nobody would take it even seriously. Saudi Arabia has really gone over to China. China's protecting them now. We have lost Saudi Arabia. Biden goes over and does a fist pump with the king. Now he's the king, the future king of Saudi Arabia. Does it, you know what a fist pump is? Don't touch my hands because they're dirty. So he tells him, don't touch my hands because your hands are dirty. Let's do a fist pump. And he does a fist bump. Do you know how insulted they were by that? Look, we have people that are stupid running our country. This is the most dangerous time in the history, in my opinion, in the history of our country, in the history of the world, because of the power of weaponry. It's the most, this is the most unbelievably dangerous time because of nuclear weapons and other things, by the way. We have incompetent people running our country in the most dangerous time. Now, little articles come out, little articles, just like two, two sentences long, that they spotted uh, Russia sending nuclear weapons to Belarus. 
little article, like two sentences. I said, that's a big thing. See, that's a big thing. That's so big. Can't allow that to happen. That's so big. There are stupid people running our country. What kind of stupid people? The kind of stupid people that would accidentally join a hate movement and not realize it and then refuse to leave just on the off chance that maybe no one noticed. Hey, commies, everybody noticed. And no one is gonna forget. Now, we didn't get to Hunter Biden stuff. Hunter Biden has agreed to a plea deal on very low-level charges. We'll talk about some of that tomorrow. It's not a big deal. Mostly ignore it. The best thing to do is make it very clear to the child brains that this by no means is justice for the Bidens. You don't really even care about these charges. It's not a big deal. And it certainly does not indicate that the Department of Justice is objective and even-handed. Laugh in their faces and say, come on, commie, you think you're going to throw me off the trail with that? What's it going to say to them when they have told themselves for years now that you're obsessed with taking down Hunter Biden and now Hunter gets in a little trouble and you're like, nah, that's nothing. That's not even close to the amount of trouble that Hunter Biden has actually been in. In fact, you just gave us a beautiful example of how skewed the justice system is in favor of people like Hunter Biden. This was actually a massive favor for Hunter Biden, a product of his dad's political corruption. And then ask them if they think that the black Americans targeted by Joe Biden's crime bills might wonder why Hunter Biden got such a light sentence. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. 
If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at imyourmoderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!